Hello everybody, this is TJ Hensley with my first ever podcast recording. See, this is the part where I would want to add some kind of celebratory noise like uh, a bunch of air horns or uh, sirens or fireworks or or uh, play September by Earth, Wind, and Fire or something like that, but uh, unfortunately... As of yet, I do not know how to add sound effects or music to these episodes. Uh, but anyway, <laughs> uh, we will we will cross that bridge when we get there. Uh, I'm not really a, a tech guy to begin with, and uh, even uh, I'm still trying to figure my way around, figure out my way around this app that I'm using to to record and publish these podcasts. So. Uh, I just ask that you you bear with me and enjoy the ride, so to speak. Uh, but uh, anyway, welcome. I appreciate you all listening in. Um, this is my first attempt at recording and publishing a podcast episode, so it's probably going to be a little rough around the edges. Uh, but hey, we're all human. Anyway, uh, I have only recently started listening to podcasts. I uh, started at the beginning of the summer, so about two months ago. Uh, it always seemed like something that I would enjoy. Uh, I have a lot of friends who have been listening to podcasts for quite a while, uh, but I, I never really took the time to get invested in it. And uh, But uh, I did at the beginning of the summer, listened to a few episodes from, from uh, some shows that had been recommended to me. And I got to tell you, I don't know what took me so long. Uh, I, I I love listening to podcasts. They're, they're fun. They're informative. They're some of them are so hilarious that I, you know, start crying. I laugh so much. Uh, but uh, you know, I listen to them on my way to work and back home at the gym or when I'm walking, and uh, they're fantastic. And I I didn't realize how easy it was to create a podcast. Uh, but when I found out, I realized, hey, this is something that uh, I'm, I could try my hand at. So, so here we are. Uh, I, uh, I uh, hope that you all enjoy the ride, uh, like I said. But um, I'm just gonna, you know, give it a shot, try my hand at this thing, at podcasting. Uh, it's not something that you know. I'm not trying to make any money off of it, or you know, make a career out of it. Just seems like it'd be something fun to do to. You know, get uh, get my thoughts out there, my two cents, uh, and I hope you all enjoy. And uh, I, uh, I I want to take a minute to tell you all about the, the app that I'm using actually to to create this podcast. It's uh, uh, called Anchor, A N C H O R. Uh, it's a wonderful app. Uh, it's free on the App Store, and I'm sure it's available on other you know platforms as well. And it's it's just fantastic. It's uh, got a really uh, user friendly presentation to it. It's uh, pretty easy to figure out. Uh, there's still a couple of details I'm trying to you know master myself, but uh, of the whole, it's a wonderful wonderful app. It um, has a bunch of editing features and uh, publishes your podcasts for you on just about every. Uh, medium where you can find podcasts, Apple, uh, Spotify, etc. Uh, so it's a really easy tool for you know newcomers to use. If it, I And I highly encourage you, if you're out there and you're thinking of maybe getting into podcasting yourself or, or want to see if it's something that you're 
you know that you might would like to try I highly recommend using anchor to get started again that's a n c h o r uh, it's actually the same app that michael moore the filmmaker uses to create his podcast rumble uh, and uh, like i said i highly encourage you to to give it a try if you're if you're thinking of podcasting it it's great hope you check it out uh, i want to talk to you all and explain the name of the podcast uh, when I decided that I wanted to get into podcasting, this was a couple nights ago. It was around two thirty in the morning. Uh, I suppose that was the one night where I drank so much coffee that it actually kept me up at night. Uh, uh, for all of you listening who know me, you know that I'm a avid avid coffee drinker, and I usually uh, drink between five and six cups a day, which is actually a, a drastic decrease from where I used to be. But we're not going to talk about that just yet. Uh, but that must have been one of those nights where I had so much that I just stayed up. And uh, like I said, it was around 2.30. And uh, I watched a video online about Anchor, about how uh, you can use it to create and publish a podcast. And I decided, you know what, I'm, I'm going to try it. I'm going to see see where this goes. And so I, I texted one of my very best friends from here <coughs> in uh, Harlan County, which is my home. Uh, his name's Andrew, but us and our friend group all know him as Andy. So I texted him and I, I told him that I wanted to start a podcast and uh, I knew that he had a uh, he he has a really creative mind and so I, I knew that he'd be a big help in helping me figure out the name for the podcast. So I texted him, I told him about the kind of subject matter I want to cover, um, you know, film, literature, history, politics, uh Appalachian culture and current affairs and news and uh, he created a really really cool name for it uh, I'm, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna tell you what it is though <laughs> mainly because there's a part of it that I don't know if I'm pronouncing correctly so uh, but and Andy's gonna be a guest uh, I would imagine I I suspect he's gonna be a pretty frequent guest on this podcast so uh, he's actually we're, we're supposed to uh, record next week for my first full-length episode. This is kind of just my introduction piece, but I'll, I'll let him pronounce the name next week. Uh, and, and, it, and it was a fantastic name, and, and uh, it captured the essence of what I want to talk about um, really, really well. And I, and I was going to use it, but I actually decided to use a different name. I decided to call this podcast Appalachian Firesides with the New Dealer. And I want to kind of explain that name for you a little bit. Uh, I am a proud, proud native of Appalachia. Uh, I was born and have been raised in eastern Kentucky. I've lived here my entire life. And I don't think that I would want to have been born and raised anywhere else on the world. In the world, I mean. <laughs> uh, uh, this is just a, a, a wonderful, wonderful region. It's beautiful in every sense of the word. The scenery is just majestic. I don't think that it is rivaled anywhere else in the, in the country. Or the entire earth, for that matter. Uh, there are... There are thousands and thousands of locales around the world that I'd hope to visit. I've, I've only been out of the country once before. That was to Cuba on a missions trip. 
and God willing, uh, knock on wood, I'll be leaving here in a couple of months for another adventure, but I'll tell you all a little, about, a little bit about that later. And, uh, you know, there are thousands of places around the world that are beautiful in their own ways, but to me, Appalachia tops the list. But it's more than just the scenery. It's the people. I, I think that Appalachia, over the past few years, and for longer than that, but especially over the last few years, it's something that I have just now been uh, aware of is how much this place has been stereotyped and caricatured. And you have a lot of people out there who are not from this region and don't have real lived experiences in it who are trying to form its, who are trying to form the narrative of Appalachia. And I'm a firm believer that if anybody is going to tell the story of this place, it should be told by the people who live and work here. The folks that you meet all throughout Appalachia, and and, and this, and, you know, I, I don't want it to sound like I'm saying that only Appalachian people exhibit these qualities, but you will find them in Appalachian people. That's all I'm saying. Hardworking, loving towards everybody, whether you're a stranger or their lifelong friend neighborly, devoted to one another, to their homes, their communities, incredibly creative, intelligent, inventive, and so much more that I can't even begin to describe. Those are my neighbors, my people in Appalachia. And I want to use this space and this platform as a way of, among other things, I want to use this space and this platform as a way to bring uh, into the light the experiences and the insights and the ideas of Appalachia and its people. I, I, I don't I don't want to sound like I'm trying to say that this is the only place that you'll find authentic uh, insights into you know the Appalachian region or its people. There are tons and tons and tons of sources out there that do this admirably and uh, do it far better than I ever could. But I want this podcast to be just a, a, a small piece, my little contribution to bringing to bear the narratives of Appalachians in their own words. Because I love this place, I I plan on moving back here after uh, I I plan to go to law school after college, and I plan to move back here and work in this community and help to make it a place where not only my children can grow up and have a happy life, but everybody who wants to call this place home can live here and work here and live a fulfilled life here. You know, I'm not the only one who's going to do it. It's going to be a consorted community effort, but I, I want to do my part. And so that that's where the Appalachian part comes from. Uh, and the firesides, this is this is this is where we're going to get into a bit of a history lesson. Uh, I'm a history nerd, if you couldn't tell already. Uh, 
I, I think it's just a fast, endlessly fascinating subject. It, it was always my favorite in school. I'm actually not a history major. Uh, uh, I'm an unofficial history major, as I say it, as I as I tell people. Uh, but here's where we're going to get into a little bit of a history lesson. And I, I have a bad penchant for for rambling, especially when I get to talking about subjects that interest me. Uh, but I'm going to try not to do that. I don't want to make this a lecture. I just I just want to tell y'all a story. And the Firesides part of the title, Appalachian Firesides with the New Dealer, comes from the Fireside Chats, which were uh, a series of radio broadcasts by President Franklin D. Roosevelt, 32nd President of the United States, uh, during his time in office. Uh, FDR is my favorite president, and I think, and I, I, and I know I'm not alone in this, uh, this is a pretty standard view among folks who study history, uh, American history and presidential history, uh, I would consider FDR to be one of our greatest presidents. And uh, there are a lot of reasons why I would put him in that category. I'm sure that I'll get into a lot of them over the course of this podcast, especially as we discuss uh, subjects like history and politics. But uh, the fireside chats were as I said, these radio programs that FDR uh, broadcast from the White House and a few other locations, I think. I don't think he broadcasted them all from the White House. But they were radio addresses. Anybody with a radio could tune in and listen to him, and they did all over the country. Uh, he delivered 30 of them between 1933 and 1944. Uh, and FDR was the first president to really use radio to communicate with everyday people, average Americans. And he used the fireside chance to explain uh, just a, a ton of very complicated issues. Uh, this was, he was elected, um, FDR was elected at the onset of the Great Depression. And he campaigned on this message of a new deal for the American people. And that entailed a lot of changes in the way that the federal government operated and a lot of changes in the way that the federal government interacted with everyday people in this country. Uh, he used, and FDR used the fireside chats to go directly into the homes of the American people through the radio, through, uh, he had a great radio voice actually, uh, is what a lot of people have said, but he, w through these speeches, he was like, he was in the presence of the people who were listening to these broadcasts, it was like he was there, at their fireside, and so that's where they got, um, the, these speeches came to be known as the fireside chats. And he used them to explain um, changes in banking policy, uh, what the New Deal was, its, its public works programs, its uh, 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 conservation programs, uh, the achievements of the New Deal, what his plans were, what FDR's plans were for the Supreme Court, uh, preparation for World War II and events of World War II. All of these hugely complex matters he was able to talk about them in a way that everybody understood what he was talking about 
and everybody knew that when he spoke to them, he was trying to speak directly to them and tell them what was going on and keep them informed. And uh, I, I want this podcast, the reason why I'm calling them Fireside, the, the program Appalachian Firesides, is that I, I want to be able to get my ideas out there. And you know that's not to say that I'm the only person who deserves to have my ideas out there. Just the opposite. I think that anybody with a constructive message should be able to, to should have the opportunity and the resources to get that message out there. That's that's what democracy is all about. I think. You know, we're gonna have disagreements with one another. Uh, not even you know. And those disagreements aren't going to be entirely about you know something like Democrats disagreeing with Republicans. I there are a lot of Democrats whom I know whom I disagree with, and I know that there are some Republicans who disagree with one another. And it's it's not just that; it's not just about politics. We disagree about a lot of things, but that's part of a healthy democracy, I think. And so I I want to use this podcast, these uh, episodes to to say what I think, to to let my guests say what they think about the matters we're going to discuss. Uh, I'll have folks on here with whom I agree with on a lot of things and with whom I disagree with on a lot of things. But I never want to lose the authenticity of it. I want these to be candid, genuine discussions and debates about serious topics and complicated topics. Uh, I'll be the first to say that I'm not going to understand every single facet of every single thing that we talk about. If I have somebody on here and we discuss, you know, something like healthcare or the economy or uh, anything like that, any big and complicated matter like that, I'll be the first to tell you I'm not going to know every single detail about it. But I'm going to try to stay as well informed as I can. I'm going to try to you know, speak about it in a way that it doesn't sound like I'm just rambling and, you know, rattling off a bunch of technical information. I want it to be a way that I can authentically and uh, genuinely communicate my ideas and my opinions to you all and to others. And uh, so that's why I'm going to call, that's why I'm bringing in the fireside element of the, 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 the podcast title. And the last part is uh, a personal thing. Appalachian Firesides with the New Dealer. And I want to explain to you, I've touched a little bit upon what the New Deal was, but I want to explain to you why I call myself a New Dealer. Like I said, the New Deal was FDR's series of programs of reforms, of projects which not only helped uh, immensely at getting the United States out of the Great Depression, it didn't. It wasn't just the New Deal that got us out of the Depression, but it, it helped quite a bit. But it did something far more, uh, I don't quite know the, the word to describe it. It, it, was, it was deeper than just an economic program. The New Deal was, and 
as I said, FD, it was FDR's way of redefining what the federal government did and how the federal government related to everyday Americans. Uh, as uh, the columnist and author George Will once said it, before Franklin Roosevelt, the federal government was expected to uh, deliver the mail, defend the shores, protect rights, and get out of the way. It was a very, very limited picture that uh, uh, the federal government uh, of what the federal government did. And I understand that there are a lot of people who would rather the federal government do just those things, and and I respect that opinion. I disagree with it, but I I respect it. But since FDR, we've never really been in that p position again, where the federal government was that limited. And here's why. FDR uh, saw the presidency, his office as the president, as being, first and foremost, a place of moral leadership. He thought that everything the president did should be held as, would he knew that everything he did as president would be an example to others. He was a lot like George Washington in that way. And time and time again, through his campaigns and through his presidency, FDR spoke of the need to lift people up. The Depression was a time when upwards of 24, 25% of Americans were out of work. One out of every four. And there was no kind of solid safety net that folks could depend on to help them out when times got tough. One of the biggest and the earliest problems during the Depression was what was called the bank run. Uh, people began withdrawing money from the banks, and a lot of the times if so many people withdrew uh, such an amount of money from the bank the bank had to foreclose and there were a lot of people who still hadn't got their money out and so their life savings were gone this was before uh, the federal government backed the uh, deposits of folk the the deposits that people had in banks when the stock market crashed in 1929 a lot of people had invested their entire life savings in the stock market because the stock market for a long time before that had been just climbing and climbing and climbing and when it crashed people lost everything uh, you read about folks who after the stock market crashed threw themselves out of win windows because of how much they lost but when the banks started to close down they couldn't give out loans to start businesses and when you can't start businesses that doesn't create jobs and you have to lay people off and there were people who were still out of work couldn't provide for their families they were sleeping in dilapidated huts they started to set up shanty towns of just cardboard shacks one of them in the middle of Central Park in New York and they started calling them Hoovervilles after President Herbert Hoover who did not believe that the federal government should directly intervene to, to stop the Depression. And it, it's, it's hard for me to, to put it into words, chiefly because I wasn't there, and 
it's only when you hear and see people who actually live during the depression talk about it that you understand the gravity of it that you start to understand the gravity of it I mean, people really were depressed and there was no hope and they didn't have anybody they could depend on and FDR comes into office and he says millions of our people this was during the 1932 Democratic Convention when he accepted the Democrats nomination to run for president he said in the farms and in the large cities millions of our people cherish the hope that their old standard of living has not died is not gone forever and those millions of people cannot and they shall not hope in vain and and then he said I pledge to you I pledge myself to a new deal for the American people and as soon as he gets into office he starts these public works programs to give people jobs uh, uh, that built schools and bridges and highways and created state parks all over the country and uh, they started building dams to provide hydroelectric power to, to folks. The Tennessee Valley Authority, which still exists today and supplies most of the Tennessee Valley with electricity, that was the New Deal. And people had hope again after years of not only economic but personal depression. And one area of this part of American history that fascinates me is the fact that here was FDR starting these programs to help out ordinary people, poor people, working class people all over the country, and yet FDR was never poor a day in his life. Both sides of his family, he came from great amounts of money. If he had wanted to, he could have lived as a, a vice president of a big insurance company and never had to worry about other people but he recognized that when something is wrong those with the opportunity to take action have the responsibility to take action and he got into public life and he said we're gonna have a new deal for people we're gonna do things the federal government is going to do things to help give people a job and more importantly give them hope and out of the New Deal comes areas of our economic and political life that are so commonplace to us that we forget how important they are things like Social Security where people can rely can largely rely on the fact that when they retire they will have a retirement fund the uh, the minimum wage before FDR there was no minimum wage before FDR uh, there was no guarantee that workers would have the right to organize into unions and collectively bargain for themselves uh, the union the UMWA the United Mine Workers Union has played such a huge role in the history of Harlan County I just read a fantastic book about that and, and I'm sure I'll be talking about it in later episodes uh, but all these things that FDR did and that the New Deal did and it was bigger than FDR the New Deal was just bigger than one man it it still is with us today every single Democratic president since 1945 has carried on the tradition of Franklin Roosevelt and the New Deal and if I could sum up the New Deal into one succinct phrase to to lay out on the table what's so important about it to me 
and why I decided to name this podcast after it, is the fact that it was devoted to making people's lives better through the federal government. And I'll be the first to say that the federal government cannot solve every problem. But there are a lot that it can solve. We've seen when we study history that good government is an incredibly transformative power in people's lives. It, the New Deal and the programs which followed it with Lyndon Johnson and the Great Society, even up into the current administration with President Joe Biden, the goal has always been to lift people up and give them a good standard of living. It was because of the New Deal and the programs which were inspired by the New Deal that my grandfather and his many brothers and sisters could rely on, even though they were being raised by a single mother, knew that because of the federal government and the food relief programs that they would have something to eat every night. It was through the New Deal that my relatives were able to get good union jobs working in the coal mines. And not just my relatives, but the, relative, but, um, the families of so many people in this community were able to get good-paying union jobs. It was through the New Deal that my grandparents have uh, their Social Security. It was through the New Deal that my friends and neighbors and people all around the country know that they're going to get paid a minimum wage, that their employer cannot legally pay them a penny less. Now, as far as the way the minimum wage is right now, that's a different story. We'll talk about that a little later. But the New Deal, for lack of a better phrase, is why I'm a Democrat. Because I believe that good activist government can help make people's lives better. Uh, I, I'm a Christian, and the way that I interpret my faith is boiled down to what Jesus Christ said the greatest commandment was. Jesus said that the best thing we could do with our lives is to love God with all of our heart, with all of our soul, and with all of our strength, and to love others as we love ourselves. And... I think that, for me, loving my neighbor as I love myself means that I take up for their right to make a good wage, to have safe working conditions, to be able to go to the doctor and afford their medical care, to be able to afford to, to, afford to go to college or afford to get child care. And it also boils down to the reality that we are keepers of our brothers and sisters. We should look out for one another. And that's what the New Deal means to me. That's why I consider myself a New Dealer, a New Deal Democrat. I write some opinion columns for my hometown newspaper, and I write under the subheading, The New Dealer. If you ever check out the Harlan Enterprise, uh, the opinion column, and you see The New Dealer, that's me. Give my columns a read. I'm sure you'll like them. I don't know if you'll like them or not. I hope so. But... Um, I, I, I've rambled a little bit during this piece, and uh, I, I'm sorry about that. I, I hope I get better at this as I go forward. 
but I wanted to just you know explain what I was doing why I'm doing it why it's important to me and I, I hope that I've done that probably some areas where I could have explained a little bit more maybe a little bit less uh, but I just want this to be a space where I can express my ideas and spread the message of not only the New Deal, but I think the message of my faith, which is a message that regardless of what your religious beliefs are, I think it's a message that we can all get behind, that it's good to help one another, that it's good to give to people. And I hope that the rest of this podcast, for however long it goes, is indicative of that message that I want to spread. Uh, thank you all for listening in. Uh, this is going to be fun, I feel like. Uh, I will be back sometime next week with my friend Andrew, Andy. Uh, I don't know if he would want me to say his full name or not. We'll wait till, we'll wait till next week to figure to find that out. But we will be reviewing one of the greatest – tune in next week. Andy and I will be reviewing one of the greatest movies ever made. I'm not going to tell you what it is. I'm going to leave you filled with suspense, and we will – uh, review it and talk about its wider implications and I uh, hope you tune in again next week thanks for listening you all uh, stay safe stay healthy love one another and uh, I'll talk to you later <laughs>